Uh, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. This morning we are going to be thinking about prayer and praying. And we've reached a point in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus begins teaching us about praying. And like so many other things Jesus says in this sermon, what he says was very different from what people were used to hearing, what they were used to thinking. Now, when we read it, you might think it doesn't sound all that unusual because you may have heard these things before. Especially when we get down to the part, verses 9 through 13, that we call the Lord's Prayer, which I'm planning to get to next week. You've probably heard that. You've probably heard the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, and so on. So when you hear it, you're probably not going to think it's all that unusual. But the fact is, this teaching on prayer that Jesus gives us really is amazing. It's amazing. And like so many other things that he says, it just goes completely contrary to our natural way of thinking. Jesus starts out here telling us how not to pray because he knows we typically get it wrong. The way we naturally think about praying, the way, the way we do it, the way we uh, approach God in prayer, we just so easily miss what God wants us to experience. And I've been reminded of that this past week as I've been studying this, as I've been thinking about it, that my default, my, my natural way of thinking about prayer, uh, my attitude, my approach to praying has just needed some adjustment. And so it's been really good for me to, to dwell on what Jesus says here, and I'm hoping It'll be good for you, too. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Follow along in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. There's a note sheet in your folder if you want to take some notes. Let's listen to Jesus. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. It's interesting, I think, that when Jesus starts talking about prayer and teaching us about prayer, He doesn't start with the words we should use. And isn't that often our concern? I want to get the right words. Especially, you know, when we're new to the whole praying thing. I don't know if, uh, if you remember that, if you came to know Jesus as a young, young child, or if later in life, you know, the whole prayer thing, when you first <laughs> go to do that, 
you know, that's what you worry about. I just, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I listen to other people pray. Oh, they sound so good at it. Just really good. And I, I'm not. So we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. But Jesus, that's not, his, that's not his main concern here. In fact, even when he does give us some specific words, as we're going to see when we get to the Lord's Prayer, his main concern is really not the words. I hope to say more about that next time. But his main concern is our heart, our attitude. Our, our attitude toward praying, our motive, why we're praying, why we're coming to God in prayer in the first place. And, you know, that fits everything else that you read about in this Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom, his kingdom. And the, the number one characteristic of those who belong to his kingdom is righteousness, meeting God's standard and and. Real righteousness is never just an outside thing, an outward thing, conforming to just some external standard, looking good on the outside. Real righteousness always, always, always starts in the heart and moves out. Which is why, to say it one more time, we so desperately need Jesus. We so desperately need him because that's not our normal state. We need him to forgive us. We need him to begin to change us from the inside out. So I want to think through here what he says about praying with the right heart attitude. Or you could say praying with the right approach. Right heart attitude, right approach. Because that's his focus. And he starts with hard attitudes we shouldn't have because Jesus, knowing us very well, knows that we have a tendency to turn anything spiritual into a performance. To turn it into a performance. An effort to impress others. So, he says first, don't pray to impress people. Don't pray to impress people people. Don't be like the hypocrites, he says, who love to pray in public places in order to be seen and admired by other people. Now, the problem really isn't praying publicly. And we know that because as you, as you go on from here in the New Testament, especially as you watch the, the, the early church and how they're living out their relationship with God, we see a lot of public praying. So the problem is not public praying. The problem is praying publicly in order to be admired by other people. So Jesus says, do not turn your prayer into a performance so that others will be impressed with how spiritual you are. Impressed with how much you love God. Impressed with how eloquent you are. Impressed... You know, with how much you really care about people, how sensitive and compassionate you are, or whatever. Down in the church offices, uh, just outside my office door, there's a closet. And on this closet door is a a poster that's taped with a, a picture on it of Billy Graham praying. And 
This was put there um, some time ago to remind us to pray, and especially to pray for the My Hope campaign that we did last November. And the first time I saw this, per- this poster, I thought to myself, man, that is a neat picture. That Billy Graham, man, he's solid. Look at him. He looks so dignified, so reverent, so godly. And I am embarrassed to admit this. But the thought actually popped into my head when I first saw that. I wish I looked that good when I prayed. (laughs) How stupid is that? That is so stupid. As if it would be a good thing when I'm praying, when I'm talking to God, to have people looking at me and focusing on me and thinking about me and, and being impressed with how godly and dignified I look. That is so ridiculous. And thankfully, I realized how stupid the thought was. The grace of God, His Holy Spirit. And I just went, wow. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous. But, you know, it reminded me, it reminded me of how easy it is to want human admiration. To want people to admire us even when we're supposed to be focused on God. I mean, think about it, okay? So if, if ever you're reluctant to pray out loud in a group, what is it that makes you reluctant? If you're, if you're worried about saying the wrong thing, why are you worried about that? Are we worried about God's reputation? Or are we worried about ours? Are we worried about saying something that might make God look bad, or are we worried about making something that might make ourselves look bad, make ourselves look stupid? What a fool. Jesus warns us not to seek the reward of human admiration. And once again, like he's done before, it's not because human admiration is so bad, but because it's so worthless. It's worthless. If you want people to admire you, Hey, congratulations. That's all you get. You get admired. Whoopee. It's just so puny. It's just so temporary. It's such a tiny, tiny little reward, and that's all you get. It's just so worthless. It's like the prize in a package of Cracker Jack. Do they still make that stuff? Can, Can you still? Do you guys even know what I'm talking about? Cracker Jack? So, you, you, you know, you open up this Cracker Jack stuff, and there's a prize inside, and it's not even worth the effort to open it, really. If you buy Cracker Jack because of the prize inside, you really want to reconsider your investment strategy. It's not worth it. Don't pray to impress people. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But there's someone else you shouldn't try to impress with prayer. And this is more important. Don't pray to impress God. Don't pray to impress God. Verse 7, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think they will be heard for their many words. The word Gentiles here, Jesus is referring to people who don't know the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And apparently, when Jesus said this, people who worshipped other gods would often chant certain phrases over and over and over again in hopes that by doing that, they would get their God's attention and they would impress Him with how devoted they are, how serious they are, how passionate, religious they are, and that would convince this God of theirs to do whatever it is they wanted. And this is still true in places where people don't know the real God. This still happens. I've seen uh, prayer wheels, people using prayer wheels. And on this wheel, on the outside of it, is printed a prayer. And every time you spin the wheel, that's, that's a prayer. Sends up the prayer. And so the more times you spin it, the more times you pray. The more prayers go up, and the more times you pray, the more time more prayers that go up, the more likely it is that your prayer will be heard and answered. I think it'd be really easy to look at that and think, how silly. But is it possible that we have some ideas about God and prayer that really aren't all that different? Now, don't answer out loud, but just ask yourself, Do you think God is more likely to answer your prayer if you pray it more than once? I'm not saying we shouldn't pray something more than once. Uh, The Apostle Paul did. Jesus himself prayed more than once the same thing. But do we think that it's the repetition of the prayer that makes it effective, that it's the repetition that impresses God that wins his attention and and gets him to answer. Because that's exactly what Jesus is telling us not to think. It's not our many words that get God's attention. It's not the right combination of words that convinces God to do something. I ran across this expression when I was studying, and maybe you've heard it. I know I'd heard it before. It goes like this. Prayer is the key that unlocks heaven's blessings. I think there's a problem with that expression. I think it makes it sound like God wants to keep his blessings all locked up away from us. But if we can just find the right words, if we can just pray in the right way, or if we can just pray often enough, or fervently enough, or sincerely enough, then somehow we will get that safe open and we will get out those blessings. That's probably not what the person who said that uh, expression had in mind. But I don't think that's a good picture of God. And see, that's the thing about prayer. Our praying reveals what we really think about God. And if we pray in ways that picture him as less than he really is, that's going to dishonor him. I mean, if the way we pray suggests that God is ignorant, or he's stingy, or unkind, or just disinterested, or anything else that's contrary to the way he really is, 
then we are praying just like those people who think they will be heard for their many words. I mean, why do they think that? Why do they do that? Because they don't know God. They don't know who he really is. They don't know what he's really like. But if we know Jesus Christ, we do know God. We do know what he's like. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We know who God really is. We know what he's really like if we look at Jesus, if we pay attention to what God has told us about himself in his word and in his son. So our praying needs to reflect the truth about God, not some distorted picture of him. He's not disinterested. He's not stingy. He's not ignorant. He's not impossible to please. He is so different from what our fallen minds just sort of naturally suspect about him. Jesus wants us to know who it is that we're praying to and what he's really like so that we will have the right heart attitude when we come to him in prayer, so that we will approach him in the way he wants us to. So, you know, if praying to impress people is completely worthless, praying to impress God is completely unnecessary. Why? This is where this gets amazing, people. I mean, why is trying to impress God with our prayers unnecessary? Because, Jesus says, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Wait, who? Who knows what you need? Your Father. Your Father in heaven. I... I don't know what picture comes into your mind when you think about praying, when you think about praying to God. But the picture Jesus is giving us is something like this. God wants you to approach Him the way children approach a good, gracious, loving Father. And that's amazing. So here's the hard attitude toward prayer that God wants us to have, and it has nothing to do with impressing anybody. Pray not to impress, but to relate to and rely on your Father in heaven. Pray to relate to your Father in heaven. Pray to rely on your Father in heaven. And this is stunning if you think about it. If you are familiar with this idea of calling God Father, that's just, uh, just something that uh, concerns me. We get familiar with ideas and, and, and they just lose their punch. If you're familiar with this idea of calling God Father, because you've heard about it, you've, you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been coming to church a long time, you're used to hearing that. We're familiar with the fact that Jesus tells us to call God Father. Familiarity is not faith. You can be familiar with the teachings of this book and not believe them. You can be familiar 
with who Jesus Christ is and not trust him. You can be familiar with the truth about God and not love him. Familiarity is not faith. Don't let your familiarity with this truth rob you of a sense of amazement and wonder that Jesus would tell us to do this, to call God the all-powerful, all-holy creator of the universe, to call him Father. The all-holy creator of the universe wants sinful people like us to come to him as a child comes to a good, gracious father. That is stunning. It is stunning. I just finished reading through the books of Exodus and Leviticus. I don't know about you, but you know, when you, if you're going to read through the whole Bible, you start in Genesis, and cool, it's a story, and it's really cool, and then you start in Exodus, and it starts out as a story, and then, oh, there's all this stuff about the tabernacle, and it slows down, and then you get to Leviticus, and it's like, okay, I'm done, New Testament, let's go. <laughs> You got to force yourself. Because in those books, God goes to great lengths to show us just how holy and how majestic He is and how awful sin is, how deserving of judgment sin is. You know, when the people of Israel came and camped there at Mount Sinai and Moses went up, to meet with God. And when those people experienced the sights and the sounds of God manifesting Himself on Mount Sinai, you know what they did? It says they trembled. They shook with fear. It was no performance. They were scared. When the prophet Isaiah got a vision of God in the temple and he heard the angels cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy is Yahweh Almighty. The earth is full of His glory. When Isaiah heard that and saw that, he fell on his face in fear and said, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, and He's holy. This is what happens when sinners come face to face with the absolute purity and majesty of God, they fall on their faces because they know they don't deserve to be there. They don't even deserve to live. So how is it possible that sinful people like us could ever approach God as Father. How is that possible? Because Jesus made it possible. Jesus died to take away our sin. There's another one of those statements. If you're familiar with what I just said, if you're familiar with that idea... Jesus died to take away our sins. Be amazed. He died to remove the one thing that would keep us from the presence of God. He died to give us access to God. He gives us the right to come in His name 
to come in His name. And as it says in Hebrews 4.16, look at this. Approach God's throne of grace. His throne of grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. So that we, with confidence, that's the part of this that blows my mind the most. Approach the throne of grace with confidence, like a little child running up to the Father he loves and trusts. Approach with confidence. Why? So we can receive mercy, not judgment. So that we can find grace to help us in our time of need. This is so amazing. This is so amazing. Through Jesus, God has accomplished what He has always intended, what He has always wanted before the foundation of the earth that we could know Him as Father. You know, in that one phrase, Jesus says, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus reveals two amazing things about God. He, re- he reveals God's awareness. He knows what you need before you ask. And He reveals God's concern. He's your Father. So when we pray, we're not giving information to God. We're not telling Him something He doesn't know. And we're not not convincing Him to care. As if He's reluctant to answer. As if He's got all His blessings locked up in a safe. And somehow we've got to dial in the right combination to get in. No, he's not reluctant, and he's not ignorant. Prayer is not about informing God. Prayer is not about persuading God. You know what prayer is? Prayer is about relating to God and relying on God. That's what it's all about. You know, sometimes we might wonder, maybe you've thought this, why why do I need to pray? What's the point? I mean, doesn't God already know what we need? And isn't he going to do what he's going to do anyway? So why do I need to pray? (laughs) Have you ever thought that? Have you asked that? I have. It completely misses the point. It's not that we need to ask. It's that God wants us to ask. Why? Because he wants us to experience relationship to him. Prayer is relating. It's talking to God. It's pouring out our hearts to God. It's it's, uh, casting all our cares upon Him. It's telling Him all of our concerns, all of our worries, and uh, even our wants. It's relating. It's relating. And it's relying. Prayer is one of the main ways that we live a life of reliance upon God. We pray about everything. We should. That's what God wants us to do. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, our Father wants us to experience what's good. And the only way we can fully experience what's good is by relying fully on Him. And prayer is how we do that. You know, sin first entered into this world when our first parents decided they 
wanted to stop relying on God to provide what is good. And they wanted to choose for themselves what's good and get it for themselves. Total disaster. Total disaster. God wants us to rely on Him because He's good and He knows what's good. And He wants us to relate to Him because He's good. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. To relate and to rely. Is God your Father? Is God your Father? Jesus came so He could be. He didn't just teach us about calling God Father. He died and rose again to make it happen. Because, you know, apart from Jesus taking our sin, we can't, we can't know God as Father. We can only know Him as Creator and as Judge. Without Jesus, there's no knowing God as Father. But, look at it. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. To bring you to God. And look at this. To all who received Him, Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become, what? What's it say? Children of God. Children of God. Children of God? To all who put their trust in Jesus and receive Him. If you want to know God as your Father and you haven't yet taken this step, you can do it today. You can begin to know God as your Father by receiving Jesus. Put your trust in Him. Ask Him into your life. Let Him bring you to God. Now, if God is your Father, and you knew that before walking in here today, well, here's something to think about. (laughs) this is what I had to think about. Do we call God Father as a habit or as a heart cry? Habit or heart cry? When you pray, do you pray to impress Him? To try to overcome His reluctance? Because you know He doesn't want to give you what you're asking for. I mean, you know that, right? No. We don't have to pray to impress him. We don't have to overcome any reluctance. We don't have to try to somehow figure out how to make him do what we want. But instead to pray to relate to him and rely on him. Why? Because he's good. And he wants what's good for you and for me. That's amazing. It's amazing. Let's bow. And let's pray. I want to give you just a quiet moment. And then I'll pray. I'm just going to invite you to pray the way Jesus tells us to pray. Not to impress people. Not to impress God. You don't need to impress God. You just need to go to Him as a child 
and trust him as your father. And if today you need to say yes to Jesus and receive that forgiveness of sin, let him take it away so it's not a barrier between you and God anymore. And you can know him as father and not as judge. Just ask him. And if you want to talk to me afterward about it, I would love to talk to you about it. Or you can write on your Connect card later, I want to talk about this. Let's go to him as our Father. Father, even as I say the word, I know there are people here for whom Father is not a positive word because they've been hurt by a Father. Lord, I especially pray for those that you will overcome their fear, their hurt. Help them know that you are not a father like that. You are a father who is always good, who always wants to bring his children joy. Lord, sometimes it doesn't make sense but you're always thinking long-term. What's in our best interest forever, not just how we feel today. Help us, Lord, come to you because we want eternal joy and we know that you're the only one who can give it to us. I pray if there are any here who have yet to trust Jesus that today will be the day for them, that they will receive him and experience being born again into your family. Thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name.